This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. To download more lectures, learn more about our project, and to help support it, visit www.bayina.com slash dream. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H slash dream. You are free to share these recordings with family and friends. Thank you and Jazakumullah Khairan for helping us make our dream a reality. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Idha Samaa'un Fatarat وإذا الكواكب تثرت وإذا البحار فجرت وإذا القبور بعثرت علمت نفس ما قدمت وأخرت يا أيها الإنسان ما غرك بربك الكريم الذي خلقك فسواك فعدلك في أي صورة ما شاء ركبك كلا بل تكذبون بالدين وإن عليكم لحافظين كراما كاتبين يعلمون ما تفعلون إن الأبرار لفي نعيم وإن الفجار لفي جحيم يصلونها يوم الدين وَمَا هُمْ عَنْهَا بِغَائِبِينَ وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا يَوْمُ الدِّينَ ثُمَّ مَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا يَوْمُ الدِّينَ يَوْمَ لَا تَمْلِكُ نَفْسٌ لِنَفْسٍ شَيْئًا والأمر يومئذ لله رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحد العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين ثم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله تعالى I'd like to begin uh, with something I completely missed uh, last week that should have been mentioned it's a very powerful and important point that was overlooked uh, and that has to do with two ayat in the previous surah surah Kuwirat and those two ayat are والليل إذا عسعس والصبح إذا تنفس and the ayah following إنه لقول رسول كريم Allah Azza wa swears by the night, He says, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا عَسْحَسْ We talked about that. The night as it first starts getting dark. عَسْحَسْ is either the early morning part before the morning kicks in or the evening part right after the sun has gone down. This is when things become blurry and difficult to see. And وَالصُبْحِ إِذَا تَنَفَّسْ And I swear by the morning 
as it gets a chance to take a breath as though it was under a chokehold of night and darkness and it gets to finally release itself. We didn't connect it to the oath that follows. Allah Azza wa Jal, his, um, the, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ No doubt it is the word of a noble messenger, meaning the messenger Jibreel alayhi salam. We talked about the difference between qawl and kalam. But we didn't connect the oaths with the jawab al-qasam, the, the, the response. And this actually has to do with, we talked about how uh, the mushrikun, they had some strange beliefs about the stars and they thought that the stars bring revelation. You know, the jinn, they go, these devils, they go up into the heavens and they steal revel- you know, information or they get information from these secret sources and then they come down and they give it. And there's no difference between what they say and what this man Muhammad says, sallallahu alaihi and this is manifest in the Quran in two ways. They use the word kahin, right, mind reader, and this is one way, and the other way is majnoon, right? He, he's possessed by the jinn, or he gets it from the jinn, or does jinn overcome him? And this is actually paralleled in the imagery. The difference between the clarity and and obscurity between what they say and what the messenger says, sallallahu alaihi is the same difference between the night when it's blurry. And it's hard to see. And the difference between that and the clarity of vision you get when the morning is clear. It's like that difference. It's that far apart. So if that if it's so clear, then it should be absolutely, absolutely abundantly clear to you. That no doubt this is truly the word of a noble messenger. This is not some dubious, you know, devils that are delivering this message. Right? And then we talked about the integrity of revelation. So that's the first thing that, that needed to be highlighted. The second thing is, of course, the conclusion of the previous surah tied into the introduction of this one. At the very end of Surah Al-Takweed, we found a challenge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a criticism. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ Where are you headed? Where are you going? إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرُ لِلْعَالَمِينَ لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يَسْتَقِيمُ This is nothing but a reminder for all of the nations of the world, all of the previous nations, and now it's, it's for all peoples. And now Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يَسْتَقِيمُ This is specifically for the one of you who wants to set themselves straight. For the one who wants to set themselves straight. Now where are you headed? In response to it is a rhetorical response. All of us are headed towards a day, whether you believe it or not, in which certain cat- catastrophic events are going to take place. So it sort of begins now in the direction where all of us are headed. So it's almost like a rhetorical response to فَأَيْنَةَ in reality. Where do you think you're going and where in reality are you going? So we begin the surah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ فَتَرَتْ when this, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, when the sky, and Ida is a means of calling attention uh, and saying when to a future event typically, and another meaning of Ida is all of a sudden. Okay? All of a sudden it became a, a python, right? All of a sudden. So Ida Sama'un Fatarat, Allah Azza wa Jalla swears by the sky, and notice in the previous surah he began with swearing by the sun. By swearing by the sun. And the sky, the oath of the sky also came up. So Surah Al Taqweed began, Ida Shamsu Kubirat. And then later on in the surah, we had إِذَا السَّمَاءُ كُشِطَتْ There was kushitat when the, the skin of the sky is peeled and it turns red and, that, and t- tied to the, flame, the, 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 the flames that are coming. You will notice there's a change in imagery from Surah Al-Takweer to now Surah Al-Infitar, even though it seems like they're talking about the same subject. In the previous surah, the two dominant themes that, that overshadowed all of the words that came were two things. There was darkness, Right, loss of light, the sun is being wrapped up, the stars are losing their light, the girl is being buried and burial is an imagery of darkness. So the kinds of word we, words we found in Surah Al-Takweer were Takweer, Inkidar, Tasjeer, right? Then uh, the Ma'uda, Kash, Tasir, Al-Khunnas, Al-Kunnas, 
right? Ashas, these are words that all have something to do with either darkness or the other dominant theme there was the flames, right? Right? So these are the two dominant negative themes. Here we're going to see the themes of ripping, tearing, motion, rattling. There's another kind of theme of words that are connected to each other in this surah. And we'll see that beautiful connectivity in the words, a thread that goes across these words. So the first word is infitar, which is also the name of the surah. There are many words that come from this uh, one word. You know, you, in Arabic you find tafattara, you find infatara, you find fatara. Uh, Allah, one of Allah's names, fatr is samawat wal ard, comes from the same root, right? Fatara literally means to tear something wide open. Or to if something is long, that you tear it across its length. Right? So if you tear it across the short side, that's not you know futur, but it's you tear across it from its length. Also in, in case of the sky, Allah says, Hal tara min futur. Right? Do you see any tears in it? Do you see any flaws in it? Right? So this is the word in fatara. So what this alludes to is the sky being severely damaged across the horizon. A long tear in the sky, right? And the imagery usually we find in, in classical Arabic literature, we find this word being used for sheets of cloth. And you'll see an imagery, a parallel in imagery between sheets of cloth and the sky. It's like this tent over us. And you'll, the other thing here, again, I, I'd like to highlight that I kind of talked about last time too. The Quran is not speaking to us in scientific terms necessarily. Allah Azza wa Jalla is speaking to us based on human experience, what the eye sees. And what the eye sees is, you know, it's captured in very picturesque kinds of words. So if we try to artificially impose science into these things, we may or may not come up with correct conclusions. But if we stay true to the language and how the Arabs used to communicate, then perhaps we'll be closer to what the intended meaning is. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. So now the imagery is that of this canopy over us that is going to have a crack in it. Now imagine this other thing, you know, you have this tent and it's got you're, 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 you're hung all these lamps and lights in that tent. When the, when the tent rips, what happens to all those lights? They fall, right? They fall, there's this, this collapse, right? So now the very next words are وَإِذَا الْكَوَاكِبُ انْتَثَرَتْ SubhanAllah when the, when the stars start falling apart When they start falling apart, they start dispersing There's so many words in the Qur'an for dispersion Istatara, in fadda, in tathara, in tashara, in All these words are used in the Quran for dispersion. But specifically, the word that's used here for the stars or for the dispersion of the stars is in tathara. And this word has to do with when you when something falls due to a sudden jerk. I'll give you an example: you take a bunch of pearls or bunch of you know uh, like marbles and you put them on a bed, and all of a sudden you jerk the sheet. See what happens? That's in Right, so that, that image that's been given to us is that of the sky being jerked and ripped, and all of a sudden the stars start falling like marbles off of a bed. A bed subhanallah. The word here used for stars is kawkab, idal kawakib. The previous surah used a different word for stars. We found wa idan nujumun kadarat. It was najm, and now there is kawkab right next to each other. This is actually complementary. There, there was the sky. Here, there's the sky. There, there was nujum. There, here, there is kawakib. It's not the same, is it? The surahs are not the same, but they're similar. The words for stars are not the same, but they are similar. But there's another deeper parallel here. The word najm literally means that which shines or twinkles. Meaning it, it gets bright, then gets less bright, then gets bright, then gets less bright. And we talked about the theme of the previous surah being light and darkness. So it's more appropriate in that place. The word kawkab literally by the, some of the, uh, the, the ulama of language, 
especially in Lisan al-Arab, Ibn Manzul talks about this, Al-Bahr al-Muhid speaks about this, that Kaukab is a large star or a brilliant star or the most fixed of the stars that the Arabs use for navigation. And it's also used for planets. So large bodies are called Kaukab. So Najm highlights the brilliance. As, uh, on the other hand, Kaukab highlights the magnitude and the fact that they are fixtures. So now the, the last thing you expect from a fixture is that it falls from its place. It loses its position. But when this day occurs, وَإِذَا الْكَوَاكِبُ انْتَثَرَتْ Even the kawakib. Even those fixtures, even those things that we look to for navigation. And the stars were a significant means of navigation in, in travel in the, in the sea. And also at night travel in the desert. So now those means of navigation, so the human being has lost himself. Because those things are gone, they've dispersed, they've fallen. Then Allah goes to another word, that, another scene that was depicted for us in the previous surah. Here subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ فُجِّرَتْ And when the oceans... They explode, literally, they explode. And we'll talk about that word in a little bit more. And explode doesn't really do justice to it. But in the previous surah, we found a very similar ayah. وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ سُجِّرَتْ سُجِّرَتْ And سُجِّرَتْ literally to boil over with heat. Right? For the, that, that cauldron or that giant pot to be put on top of a flame filled with coal and it's inflamed. So the theme there was heat and darkness. Here the theme is what? Movement. Movement. You know the Fajr prayer is called Fajr because it rips through the darkness. The Fajr, like أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْكَفَرَةُ الْفَجَرَةُ We talked about that in a couple of surahs ago. The Fajr or the plural Fajr or Fujjar, these are the people who violate the commandments of Allah in the worst way. In the most you know, obscene way. They don't, you know, there's the guy who disobeys Allah and is kind of ashamed about it. He kind of does it in hiding. Or he does a few things wrong. But then there's the Fajr who does it out in the open. Chest sticking out and he says, what are you going to do about it? This is a Fajr. This is not just a, you know... Uh, a mudnib, right? This is someone uh, far worse. So now here, the oceans, they explode, which means they don't stay where they're supposed to. The contents of the, the ocean, the water, it doesn't stay where it's supposed to. It now rips out and it starts going all over the place. This word is used elsewhere in the Quran also. Allah Azza wa speaks about the complaint of those who disbelieved in the Akhirah. وَقَالُوا لَن نُؤْمِنَ لَكْ حَتَّى لَنَا مِنَ الْأَرْضِ يَنْبُوعًا Also we find فَتُفَجِّرًا uh, Tafjir is used in the Qur'an. Uh, this word is used for when you have, uh, when you rip up the earth and you want to make waterways for irrigation. Again, the theme ripping, tearing open, right? And now the oceans are boiling, they're not boiling out this time, they're exploding out, meaning they're just coming out everywhere. They're spilling over everywhere. Again, motion, like tsunami style, right? Subhanallah. الْبِحَارُ فُجِّرَتْ So the water doesn't stay where it's supposed to. Let's look at the next scene. وَإِذَا الْقُبُورُ بُعْثِرَتْ Again, something that we expect to keep in its place. The qabr in Arabic is what? The grave. There are three words in the Qur'an or three or four words in the Qur'an used for the grave. There's qabr, there's marqad, right? مَنْ بَعَثَنَا مِنْ مَرْقَدِنَا right? The marqad is used from ruqud, which is an uncomfortable kind of sleep. And you know, the ulama comment that in Surah Yasin, when they complain, who has raised us from our marqad, the reason for that is, don't worry about it, the cell phones go off all the time, it's okay. They're not that interesting. Okay. Oh, speakerphone, that's really bad. <laughs> we'll wait, we'll wait. Inshallah. Okay. So the word marqad is used for a, when you're sleeping, but you're not really in your deep sleep. You're kind of annoyed, right, in your sleep. That's marqad. It's not, it's not deep sleep. Now, the ulama comment, they, when the people are raised on the Day of Judgment, 
they, the things they will see are so vicious that even the punishment of the grave they will compare to uncomfortable sleep. So they'll just say, مَنْ بَعَثَنَا مِمْ Allah. So in comparison, I mean, the, if you read the hadith about the punishment of the grave, they're very graphic, they're very intense. But compared to what they will see when they, get, when they rise from there, they'll compare that to what? Marqat, subhanAllah. Then another word used for graves is ajdath, jadath. Okay? And this is a kind of grave whose who's, who's even the, mind, the signs of it are gone. So jadath could be, you know, people get cremated on the earth. Some people get buried, like they're mass graves, and we don't even know where they are. Right? So nobody even knows there's a graveyard and people build homes on top of them and construction happens and who knows what went on. These are the ajdas, but they're not marked. They're just, they've, they've disappeared from the face of the earth. That's mentioned in other places. Here's the word qabr. Qabr, literally that which is dug with the intent of burying someone. You see the theme of ripping the earth again and digging? Right? And then the, the, the body is put, Allah says, bu'thirat. The ulama of ishtiqaq, they comment that the word bu'thirat or ba'thara in Arabic comes from ba'atha and athara together. That this fusion of two words together, and this is not far from the truth, because it has meanings of both. Ba'athara, let me explain the verb to you first. It means to, you, we do this, it's under, easy to understand in our time. Let's say you're traveling, and this happened to me this morning, so I could give you easy, relevant example, right? So I'm leaving the hotel room, and I can't find my keys. And I've already packed everything up, and it's definitely not in the room, so where is it? It's in the suitcase. So what do I do? I open it up and I turn everything upside down to find the keys because I'm going to miss my flight. When you, go, when you dig into something and then you just turn it upside down and then pull something out, this is called ba'athara. You make something, you drag something out, you make it come out, but you, you do it after you manipulate what's on the inside. You rattle the insides of something. Allah Azza wa gives this image for what? For graves. That graves will be like manipulated, like you know, you're trying to get something out of them, and who, who's coming out of them? We are, and we're going to be pulled out and yanked out, and we're going to be standing right there. Subhanallah. Wa idha al Very powerful image in the Quran. Now, in the previous surah, we found wa idha nufusuzuwijat. Even when all people are going to be paired, remember the good with the good, the bad with the bad. But when will, how will they be paired? First, they will be dragged out. So it's almost taking us a scene behind the previous surah's scene. Right? There was وَإِذَا النُّفُوسُ زُوِّجَتْ Here, وَإِذَا الْقُبُورُ مُعْثِرَتْ In the previous surah we found عَلِمَتْ نَفْسٌ مَا أَحْضَرَتْ Every person knows full well whatever they have to present, whatever reluctantly they have to bring forward. Now there's an explanation of that ayah. This, this ayah is a tafsir of that ayah. Here Allah Azza wa says عَلِمَتْ نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ وَأَخَّرَتْ very similar. Alimat nafsum Alimat nafsum wa Now there's there's more words here than there, which illustrates that this is an explanation of that. You want to fully understand what that was, you come over here. Let's understand a few things about these these two words that are very powerful. They're probably one of the most examples of comprehensive words in the Quran. They're very deep statements. Allah Azza wa says, every person knows full well, literally speaking, whatever this person sent forward, qaddamat. And whatever this person left behind or procrastinated. Now, what does that mean to send forward and, and, and behind? We can understand this in our times in simple ways, but before we come to the analogies, let's look at some things that have been said by the ulama. One of the things by qaddama, to send forward, it refers to the good deeds that you do or the bad deeds that you do. Qaddama could be the good deeds that you do and the bad deeds that you do. What does it mean? Why didn't Allah suggest they do them? He said they send them. Forward. You know nowadays you send an email, you hit send, can you get it back? 
No, it's gone. Words. Like when you're writing a letter, you can change your words. But when you're speaking to someone, once you've said it, can you take it back? It's too late. It's gone. It's been sent. And even though we understand this much better. Somebody explained this a hundred years ago, probably couldn't have used the email example, right? But now Allah has made it easier for us to even understand how do you send something forward? <laughs> how do you forward something literally? <laughs> Subhanallah. Every time we do something, every time we say something, every act that we do, good or bad, it has now been sent, mailed, FedEx, delivered for processing. It's been sent forward. Now, the means of delivery, what's the means of delivery when an action is sent? Like nowadays, we have technology computers, or we have FedEx, or we have the United States Postal Service. What is Allah's means of, first of all, getting this stuff recorded and then getting it delivered? So we'll, later on in the surah, we'll see the angels who write. How, did, how this is sent forward, the mechanism by which this is sent forward. That's coming up in the same surah, right? So alimat nafsum ma qaddamat wa akharat. So th this is the first thing. What a person does good is sent forward. What a person that, that what bad he does is also sent forward. Now the other thing is akharat. What was left behind? This is this is very powerful too. There were opportunities to do good things that you didn't take. There was a, you had to wake up for salah. You should have come to the masjid. You should not, you know, you, you should have given sadaqah when they were having that fundraiser, when they were asking for help. So when these opportunities of good come, and the person does not take them, he left that opportunity behind. Also, there were opportunities to sin, to do something bad. And this person, he had the opportunity to do the wrong thing, but he left it behind, he didn't touch it. He left it behind. So this is an example of what he left behind. So qaddamat wa Every person will know very well what are the things that they sent forward, what are the things that they have to now show for themselves, ahdalat from the previous surah, what are the things that they left behind. And some of the things that we left behind, we'll, we, will, we will be sorry that we left them behind. And some of the things that we left behind will say, I'm so happy I left that behind. Right? I'm so happy I left that behind. So in Quran, we'll find a passage of, you know, in kana li, you know, qareen. I used to have a friend back in the day. Right? And I'm so happy I didn't stay friends with you, man. <laughs> so he'll look over and he'll look at the guy in the hellfire and he'll say, I found my promise to be true. What about you? You having a good time down there? Right? And he's going to say, I'm so happy. You almost got me too. In Kittal in, in Almost you turned me back too, man. You almost messed me up. So there are some things we left behind that we will be happy about. There are some things we left behind that we will regret. May Allah make us of those who are pleased over the things we left. And please are over the things that we send forward for our, uh, our own sakes. So, other ways that this has been interpreted is in connection with the previous surah. What did we send, what, what a person sent forward, of course the khitab, the address, is similar to the previous surah, so we can acknowledge that the address primarily is to, to the disbeliever. And what were, were some of the crimes of the disbeliever highlighted in the previous surah? Yeah, I mean, the killing of the baby girl, remember? So now, there the suhuf, the scrolls were opened. Here what's being told is reminded, when you did that, that was sent forward. Even if nobody else saw it, Allah saw it and it was sent forward. Now it's coming back to haunt you. Now, another way this has been interpreted, what was sent forward and what was left behind is, what the, the first things you did in life and the last things you did in life. Taqdeem and ta'khir, that which comes early, that which comes later. Meaning your complete history, a complete biographical analysis of your life. So maybe in the early times of your life, you were good. And later on in your life, you changed from being good and you kind of got rusty and you stopped, you know, your commitment withered away from deen. The other is true too. Maybe you were a party animal at some point in your life. 
And then something changed, and later on in your life, you became more and more righteous. So, مَا قَدَّمَتْ وَأَخْرَتْ Some of the ulama comment that this is even scarier for those who are old in age, and only turn to Allah when they realize that one foot is in the grave. And they have to think back, how much of their youth did they waste doing certain other things, and now they've turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَا قَدَّمَتْ وَأَخْرَتْ Then another final way, in, this, which, in which this is uh, uh, understood, which is very powerful, is the things you do have been sent forward. And you will also be sent forward, you will be gone too. But the consequences of what you did, the impact of what you did, if you helped in the building of a masjid, you sent something forward that's good for you, you're go- you've gone too. But then are people, will people benefit even after you're gone? For generations and generations and generations? And on the other hand, if you, you know, decided, you know, the liquor store is a good business, and you got into it, and you f- fed your children that haram money, and then you, in, your son inherited that store, and, there, and the haram income continued and continued and continued, and who's on, whose neck is that on, subhanAllah, right? The, you don't just do the thing, it leaves consequences behind. So ma qaddamat wa akharat. Such a powerful, such a small thing, and how powerful this phrase. And it comes in correlation with you will really acknowledge, you will really appreciate what you have done, what you've sent forward, and what you've left behind when these things start happening. What, you know, so from the very beginning, when the sky is torn open, and when the fall, when the stars start falling apart. And when the graves are top, you know, topsy-turvy, they're manipulated and turned over and people are retrieved, at this point you're oh my God, what have I sent forward? What have I left behind? Right? Then you will realize. And these ayat are, you know, in the previous, the conclusion, towards the conclusion, in huwa illa dhikru lil'alameen, it's a really beautiful thing in the Qur'an. We are reminded of the akhirah. But there's, a, there's a, an oxymoron here. When you remind someone, it's usually of something in the past. It's a memory that you remind someone of. We are being reminded of something we haven't seen yet. To for our own benefit, we are being taken to the future, being told, this is coming, you're being warned now, as though it's, it's becoming almost a memory for us, subhanAllah. Look at the psychological impact of these words. So that now you can take benefit of what knowledge, what, what is coming ahead of you. May Allah make us of those who take advantage of the reminder. Of course, this is the jawab al-shart. Uh, what that means is when you look at every ayah before it, you place this ayah in front of it. In other words, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ فَطَرَتْ When the sky is torn open, Every person knew what they sent forward, what they left behind. Then, وَإِذَا الْكَوَاكِبٌ تَثَرَتْ When the stars collapse and they fall apart, every person will realize what they sent forward and what they left behind. Then the next ayah, وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ فُجِّرَتْ When the oceans explode and the water is going everywhere, it leaves its place, every person will realize what they sent forward and what they left behind. And then Allah Azza wa says, وَإِذَا الْقُبُورُ بُعْثِرَتْ When the graves are, are, are turned over and the people are pulled out of them to stand, every person will realize what they sent forward and what they left behind. So this is the power of the Qur'an's you know, uh, few words but how, how they nail a message into one's, one's mind, the audience's mind, subhanAllah. Now, uh, next inshaAllah ta'ala, يَا أَيُّهَا الْإِنسَانِ مَا غَرَّكَ بِرَبِّكَ الْكَرِيمِ In the previous surah, we had a question. In this surah, we also have a question. The question in the previous surah was, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَوُونَ Where are you going? Now, there's a, now that question gets even more graphic and more stunning. 
and more embarrassing. It, it makes the human being, if they have an ounce of decency, to probe deep into themselves. Look at these words. Ya ayyuhal insan. Oh human being. You, you know, and it's, not, it's very difficult to communicate what Ya ayyuhal insan says in English or any other language. It's just something unique to the Arabic language. It's very hard to do. There's such an emotion in it. There's so much warning in it. There's so much pain in it. There's pain in it. You know when you feel sorry for someone, you say, oh man, what happened to you? Right? Allah turns to each and every human being and He's telling them, Ya ayyuhal insan. You know, you ever been like, uh, when, you, when you are going the wrong way, and somebody's not yelling at you, but for your own sake, they are sad for you? They're saddened for you? They'll, you know, so and the, the tone they use with you, subhanAllah, this is the sadness. Allah Azza wa Jalla, another place says, Ya hasratan ala al-ibad. Oh, what a calamity over people. What, you know, what a loss. So Allah says, Ya ayyuhal insan. Even the word used for us is insan. And insan comes from, it's arguable from, from multiple roots. One of them is nasiyah, the one who forgot. Right? The insan is the creature that forgets. The sun doesn't forget that it has to be in obedience to Allah. The ant doesn't forget. The rock doesn't forget. The, the cattle doesn't forget. But أُولَٰئِكَ كَالْأَنْعَامْ بَلْهُمْ Even far, They forget. They forget. So we forgot what, what purpose we were put on this earth for. And Allah uses that name that reminds us of our forgetfulness. Also, it, you know, uh, some argue that it comes from uns, which is like to have affection. So we develop affection for things other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it makes us forget our real purpose in life. The two are connected. Ya ayyuhal insan. Ma gharraka bi rabbikal kareem. A raw translation would yield what deluded you. What manipulated you? What conned you? There are different words for deception in the Quran. Just to name a few, there's gharra, khada'a, right? Khana, like khiyana, khadala, khatara. There are different kinds of words used for deception in the Quran. The specific one used here is gharra, gharra. Now what, is, what does gharra specifically mean? It's when you take someone who's careless, like a tourist, and you con them to get something out of them they're not really watchful about what they're doing and how they're spending and how they're behaving, then somebody could come and take advantage of them. Now when the human being is not careful, who takes advantage of them? The shaitan. The shaitan. And you know it is that shaitan who fed him that line that was used in the previous surah. What was the, what was the deception that most people fell victim to that Allah addressed? Allah Azza wa told them, them, the people, وَمَا صَاحِبُكُمْ بِمَجْنُونَ And He said, وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ شَيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ this is not the word of a, a cursed devil. He's not insane. But you know when, shay, when you let shaitan in, when you're not careful, then he'll feed even the worst lies against the truth to you. And you'll believe them. So these people fell into that trap. Here Allah says, مَا غَرَّكَ بِرَبِّكَ الْكَرِيمِ What deluded you? What conned you away from your gracious Lord? Now, Allah Azza wa Jal didn't even say, what deluded you from Allah? He didn't say that. مَا غَرَّكَ بِاللَّهِ No. مَا غَرَّكَ بِرَبِّكَ what deluded you from your Lord? The, the word Rabb necessarily illustrates a relationship. Illustrates a relationship. You know, the word Allah is, is Lafwal Jalala. It is the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the proper name. Of course, it's argued that it's rooted in the word Ilah. But the word Rabb, Rabb, to help you understand, it's a word of a, it, it necessarily denotes a relationship. For example, when you say teacher, what do you think of on the other side? Student. When you think of master on one side, what do you think of on the other? Slave, servant. When Allah calls himself slave and doesn't even say master, he, said, he didn't say, Rabbi samawat wal ard, Rabbi al-alamin. What did he say here? Rabbi ka. 
your Lord. To give you a simple parallel of what's going on in this text, you're about to be fired. Because you don't you know, pay attention to the instructions of your boss. You, don't, you show up to work three hours late, he, he tells you to do A, you do B, he tells you to do B, you do C, you don't pay attention. You're about to be fired. The boss comes to you and he doesn't want to be mean to you or anything. But he's curious, why are you so messed up? So the boss comes to you and says, so what was it? What was it that was distracting you from my instructions? You understand? We had a standing relationship, we had an agreement, وَقَدْ أَخَذَ مِثَاقَكُمْ the covenant was already taken, the promise had already been taken. You already made this promise to me that you'll be my slave. Am I not your Lord? Am I not your master? We said yes, of course. There wasn't any confusion. Then what was it that confused you from your job? What was the distraction? Now at your real you know, job in dunya, maybe it was YouTube or it was like, you know, Facebook or something. You were making calls to overseas or something at your job that deluded you. But in this context, Allah Azza wa Jalla it is the other things in this world that people are running towards and then because of them, they don't turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's beautiful here is they were turning away from the messenger in the previous surah. The people were turning away from Rasulullah in the previous surah. In the surah before that, they were turning away from the Qur'an. When Allah says, you know, uh, They were turning away from the revelation itself. Here, they're turning away from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They've forgotten the, the root of the problem. Why are they turning away from the messenger? Why are they turning away from revelation? Because they have no concern that they have a master. That's why they're distracted by other things. And then Allah didn't just say, He said, Kareem, noble, gracious. When we talked about this, when the teacher is nice and he's noble, what does the student do? Starts taking advantage and starts getting deluded into think, conning himself into thinking that they can get away with whatever because he's a nice, come on, he's so kareem. Out of his nobility, out of his grace, he's not going to punish. And when that noble teacher, that graceful teacher, before he hands you your F and he calls you and he says, listen, I was nice to you all along. Why did you do this? you will feel far worse with that teacher than the teacher who was mean to you because he'll feel, he'll say, I was expecting him to fail me anyway. You know, I don't feel that bad because he's not a nice guy. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is failing these people. He's failing and he's asking them in a, such a loving, introspective fashion. They have to look in, deep inside of themselves when he says, مَا غَرَّكَ بِرَبِّكَ الْكَرِيمِ What was it? What was, was it the love of money? Was it your family? Was it the love of your own pathetic desires? Was it the love of wasting time? What was it that took you away from, from your gracious Lord? He gave you so many, out of His grace, He gave you so many things. And one of the things here, the use of the word kareem, Allah is kareem, and out of His karama, He gave karama to the human being. وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي Adam. We honored the human being. And so part of that honor is coming in the next ayah. How did Allah show His grace to you? الَّذِي خَلَقَكْ He's not just your Lord, not just that He has that relationship over you that you're the slave, on top of this, Alladhi Khalaqaka, the one who created you. Fasawaka. Then he, you know, sawa taswiya in Arabic has multiple meanings. One of them is to, to equate and to fix everything up perfectly. But another is to actually tweak and to take to take care of the finest details and to make sure everything's just the way it's supposed to be. You know what Ijibich comes to mind? Because it's in the news nowadays, you know all these car companies? 
right? And they show these factories. They don't, they, hopefully, they don't let the car out of the lot until they check the brakes and they check, I mean, they tweak. They tweak. Allah speaks about the tweaking of the human being. He created you, didn't just create you, He fine tuned you. Taswiyah, fasawaka. And then finally, fa'adalak, He balanced you. Now, this word is very powerful, adl. He balanced you in that, you know, we're, we're a balanced creature. We walk on two feet. We, we have balance, you know. Our ears actually are, are a big place of our balance. When there's fluid in our ears, we get dizzy and stuff, right? So this is a, a place of balance. But even in the figurative sense, he balanced us. You know, There's a balance between those two things. Everywhere in the Quran, you find, you know, the, this discussion on guidance, you'll find a balance. He balanced our motives between running towards, you know, the paradise and running away from what? The hellfire. He balanced us. He balanced us between our personal obligations and our obligations to our family and the world at large. Personal obligations, collective obligations. It's a balance. He ba- so he, in so many ways, he balanced you. And he gave you a sense of balance also. Fa'adalak. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions this in another place. He says, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانِ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ Right? Surah Tin is coming up later on in the series. He created the human being in the best possible fashion. And what is that best possible fashion? Now this sense of balance, interestingly enough, on my way here, I took the, the shuttle from BWI, right? And there was a guy next to me. We just started talking. German fellow. And he's like, yeah, I know a little bit about Islam. You Shia? I was like, no, I'm not Shia. So he was disappointed a little bit. But <laughs> we started talking anyway. And he said, I only have one question. Why do you guys have hell? I was like, well, we don't have it. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you something about it. <laughs> right? But I'll tell you something about it at least. You know, the idea was, the, the idea is, do you appreciate balance? Do you appreciate, you know, justice? Justice is a kind of balance. He said, yeah, of course. So I asked him, you know, you believe in a God? He said, yes. I said, you know, if you believe in a God, then you have to believe that He's just, He's fair. Yeah, I believe that. I said, okay, you know, if He's fair... Then what do you do with a guy that killed a hundred people? What do you, according to you, what do you think justice is? We said, kill him. I said, okay, kill him. But how many people did he kill? A hundred. Well, if he killed one person, what would you do? Well, kill him. I said, okay, well, at least you believe in the death penalty. But beyond that, is that fair? If he kills a hundred people, you kill him once? He kills one person, you kill him once? What's the most you can do to him? Can you kill him a hundred times? You can't. In other words, you can't have justice. And you, if you believe that this world has been created, it's been created by someone who's what? Fair, just. And then clearly you can't have that justice here. You have to expect from him that he will give you justice. He will give justice to the other 99 victims. You can't expect that he won't. And look, look at it from another point of view. Even if he just killed one person, how many lives did he ruin? Some, he was, this man, was the victim was somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody's son. Somebody's provider, somebody's caretaker, somebody's employee he ruined a business, he ruined a family, he ruined a neighborhood, he ruined a community. And this guy was a loner. He didn't, he, nobody misses him if he's gone. Did he do more harm than was done to him? Sure. But was there justice in this world necessarily? No. Do you, do you believe the one who created us in such intricate, balanced fashion will leave this imbalance? Will leave this imbalance in this world? So when Allah introduces Himself to us in Fatiha, He doesn't just leave, He, he emphasizes the issue of balance. Balance between us and Him. You guys read that, some of you studied that this past weekend. Balance between His mercy and His, 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 his justice. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawm There's balance. So, and we have to walk a path that's balanced. 
Salat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim What are the imbalances? Ghayl al-Maghdubi alayhim all these, these themes of balance constantly in the Quran. Even this ummah is called the middle ummah, the balanced ummah, ummatan wasata. Subhanallah. So here, you know, this, this evidence, that's the central theme of this surah, as opposed to the previous surah, the central theme was the preservation of how the message comes to the Messenger. That was the central, the, the point of notice. Here, the central message is the conscience of the human being. The human being's own sense of balance will make him convinced if he's true to that sense of balance and he's not deluded about it that yes, in fact, he has a Lord and yes, in fact, in fact there is judgment coming. This is the voice of one's own conscience if it has any ounce of decency or what Allah calls fitra left in it. Subhanallah. It's a profound sense of rationale. You know, some, some brothers asked me, can you give a talk about the miracle of the Qur'an proving Islam is true? I was like, you know what? You probably don't understand. We have to even approach that subject from the Qur'an's own point of view. The Qur'an has its own method of presenting that idea of what makes it miraculous. And it's a combination of two things. Evidences, and it's a reliance on human decency. If you're not a decent human being on the inside, no matter how much evidence you see, will it matter? No. So there's no conclusive proving that Islam is the truth for any one person until they find an ounce of decency within themselves. Did Fir'aun see enough evidences? But not an ounce of decency inside, so it doesn't work. Now the, 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 the magicians were pretty messed up people too, but they had some decency in them, at least a little bit, and that came out when they saw the proof. And so they made sajda immediately. So it's, it's a combination of two things. It's not just purely intellectual exercise for us. That we can prove to you God exists, why haven't you become Muslim? No, 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 no. That's one part of the picture. The other part of the picture is the decency one has to have within themselves. Allah asks the human being, demands on the human being that they look within themselves, that they don't become deluded from their gracious Lord after He created them in such balance. So Allah emphasizes this as part of the path to, to, to Islam. This is part of the path to Islam. Introspection, looking within oneself. This is part of our da'wah. We don't just ask people to look at the evidences, which is what da'wah has become mostly nowadays, right? We ask people, look at this evidence, look at this scientific miracle, look at this, look at that, look at that. But we've forgotten this part of da'wah that the Qur'an emphasizes so much. Look inside yourself, man. Think about it. Look at how you've been created. Look at, ask your own conscience. This is part of the da'wah. This is part of the, the way Allah Azza wa presents His profound truth. So, الَّذِي خَلَقَكَ فَسَوَّاكَ فَعَدَلَكَ فِي أَيِّ صُورَةٍ مَشَاءَ رَكَّبَكَ what time is Aisha, by the way? I forgot. 9.15? Okay, so we can go a little bit more, inshallah. The word surah is used for all objects that can be distinguished from one another with the visual eye. Okay? So Allah speaks about the, the shape, the form. In any which form He wanted, and however He wanted, rakkabak, He fashioned you. And rakkaba is a beautiful word. It comes from tarkib, which literally means to put something on top of something else. Like a rakib is a rider who gets on top of the horse or the camel or whoever, right? Tarkib is used actually by some grammarians when they do tarkib al-ayah, what they mean is i'rab al-ayah, right? They'll connect one word to the next, into the next, into the next, they call that tarkib. Now Allah says He did tarkib in us. However He wanted, He took one limb of us and connected it to the other, one cell to the other, right? One vessel to the other, one vein to the next, one piece of our skin to the next, He connected the whole thing. You know, you want to explain it to your kids, just throw them a bunch of Legos. Connect. Right? This is Tarkib. Now, this is really important. Here, the, the, the words that you need to understand, it started with the word Rabb. Not Khaliq first, Rabb first. 
And this is at the heart of one of the most, uh, most common psychological problems in our time that Muslims suffer from and non-Muslims suffer from when it comes to their relationship with Allah, with, with the Divine. Let's just say with the Divine. And that is, you know, I, can't, I don't know how you guys believe in a God when there's so much suffering and there's so much killing and so many children are dying hungry and there's so much disease and there's so much injustice. You ever heard this argument? You know, and then at a personal level, how can there be a God? I didn't do anything wrong and I lost my job. I didn't do anything wrong and I got cancer. Or my mother died or this happened or that happened. And people come to the, the church and they say, why is God doing this to me? This is a common thing. And you know, it's, unfortunately, it's now starting to happen among the Muslims. Why is Allah doing this to me? I had a brother come to the masjid not too long ago. You know, his mother had passed away. May Allah enter her into the paradise, right? But he came and he was distraught, apparently. And he said, why is Allah doing this to me? What, what's my fault in all of this? Right? And somebody gets sick. They say, why is Allah mad at me? Why is this happening to me? So first of all, understand some very basic things. Very, very basic things. When Allah said his name to us in the Fatiha, Alhamdulillah, the very next thing he told us about himself is not Khaliq, is not Malik, is not Ar-Rahman, is not Ar-Rahim. What's the first thing he told us? Rabb, Rabbil Alameen, Rabb. And the thing with, with Rububiyya, Lordship, Ownership, Complete Rights Over Someone, is that when Allah is, if you truly accept that Allah is not just the Creator, He is Rabb, Rabb. He's your Lord and you, are, you, are, you have no rights before Him then. A slave doesn't have any rights, property doesn't have rights. My computer, if this is my recorder, it stops working, do I have a right to break it? To step on it? To throw it away? Is it going to file a complaint against me? No. It's mine. I made it. Or if I, I bought it. It's my complete property. Now Allah not only created us, but owns us entirely, has rububiyya over us. He's our Rabb. Did I, did I pay for my hands? Did I pay for my eyes? I didn't. Did I pay for the kind of face I want? Or even though some deviated people do that nowadays. But did I decide what gender I'm going to be? Did I decide how old I'm going to be? What ethnicity I'm going to be? Who my mother and father are going to be? Was any of this in my control? No. Now Allah is the one who gave it to me. I didn't pay him anything for it. And if Allah didn't give it to me, was I entitled to it? I wasn't entitled to anything. I didn't pay for anything. It's all been given to me. So the idea of God owing me, which is very, a very Christian concept nowadays at least, that God owes us somehow. Allah Azza wa owes us nothing. Because He is what? Rabb. He's Rabb. He owes us nothing. He gives anyway. He's an amazing Rabb. He doesn't owe us, He still gives us. But when somebody is born and you know they, 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 they die as a child, or uh, there's death and there's disease and there's calamity and all of these things, when they are there and when they are not there, He is still our Rabb. He's still our Rabb. You can't, it's just like saying, why did He give me five fingers, why didn't He give me six? It's just like that. We have no control in these things when you accept Allah as Rabb. He's the Rabb and we're the Abd. That's one of the central messages of the Qur'an. Because it cuts at the root of all your other questions. When you internalize this really deep, profound reality, you accept that I'm a slave. You walk as a slave. You live, as, you talk as a slave. You know, the, a free person and a slave, they have different attitudes. Right? The slave, every time he opens his mouth, who does he, what does he think? Is the master listening? Right? He's not going to open his mouth until, he's not going to do something, he's not going to eat something until, I wonder if he, he's watching. Right? Employees do that. They look at the security camera before they, you know, 
before they check their email or make sure that you know the network uh, spy software isn't on <laughs> you know before they browse the web we're that scared of other forms of mastery imagine if you accept allah's rabb everything you say every step you take every breath you know everything you look at ya'lamu khainat al-a'yun wa ma sudur right that's the attitude of accepting allah azza wa jalla's rabb he is the one who created you in this profound fashion you think he just left you like that without a purpose when allah azza wa jalla created us he gave us these faculties he balanced us fa'adalak then he gave necessarily demands from us a purpose. Kalla, but the, the, rather not at all. In other words, Allah's disappointment with humanity after this profound creation of the human being, after this amazingly balanced, well fine tuned human being has been fashioned so that he can show the rest of, he could be the, the best of all creation because he obeys Allah by choice. No, the reality is, no, you lie deliberately against. The deen. You lie deliberately against, then the word deen is really interesting. Allah didn't say here, Billahi, to kadibuna billah, bi ayatillahi, other places, to kadibuna bi ayatillahi, bil rasuli, right? But here, like in, in Surah Ali Imran, in kadhabuka, faqat kudhiba rasul min qablik, right? If they lie against the messenger. But here, takdib bid deen, lying against the deen. There are a few things you should know about the word takdib, inshallah, then we'll talk a little bit about the word deen. When you call someone a liar, you're, you're doing takdib. When you call someone a liar. Now the reason to, the attempt, when you call someone a liar, liar falsely, meaning you're lying yourself by calling them a liar. It's a little complicated. Okay? So you're calling somebody else a liar, but what your accusations themselves happen to be a lie. And your, your attempt is to, whatever they say, nobody will believe, because now you've discredited them. This is called takdib. So you do this against the deen. You do this against the deen. So they make lies against the deen. They, they say to the people that this deen is a lie. This is the first thing about takdeeb. The second thing is to lie against someone's claims. So when the deen of Allah claims that it's the truth, to lie against that and say, no, this is satanic, this is falsehood, this is from the shayateen, this is the word of a kahin, etc. This is takdeeb. Now let's look at the word deen. Deen in Arabic comes from the word dain. Dain means alone. Dain means alone. Dana in Arabic as a verb is to give someone what you owe them completely. So the word dain and loan uh, and dana have something sim similar also. It's giving someone or taking from someone a specified portion that is due back. Right? It's a very precise. Yes, inshallah. One more minute and I'll be done. That uh, giving someone or taking a very, very specific portion that is due back. That is the essence of Islam. Everything we do whatever we sent forward and whatever we left behind is being precisely calculated and if it's good then we are owed precise amounts of good in return and if it is evil we are owed precise amounts of evil in return and if you start thinking like that you will think very carefully about every one of your actions and every one of your statements every speech every piece of speech you have every action you have if you acknowledge that this in fact is a deen you know when we commonly translate deen as way of life? What this really means is everything in your life, specific portion. You owe a portion to your parents. You owe a portion to your spouse. You owe a portion of your time to the salah. You owe, you owe a portion to this. You owe a portion to that. And every one of these shortcomings you show, however short, however short you fell, is being calculated and an exact amount you will be given back. Right? وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ يُوَفَّ إِلَيْكُمْ Whatever you spend from good will be given to you in full. Every person will be given precisely in full whatever he or she earned. 
whatever he or she earned. This is in the essence of the word deen. The person who doesn't want to accept that, they come up with other delusions, they come with other distractions because this is too strong a reality for them to accept. So we stop at this ayah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu alaykum. Assalamu alaykum.